Welcome to Write, Read, and Write, a podcast that this week is asking the deep questions. And a question we're looking into for this episode is, who are you, really? And that's a great place to start. So Adam, let's ask you, who are you, really? Well, I'm glad you asked, because I am a villain. And I appear to be a good guy, but then I turn out to be behind shenanigans all along. Sort of like the opposite of Mega Mind. And yeah. So you're like the reverse Flash. No, um, if you've ever seen Frozen, I'm like the prince in Flash who you're like, <laughs> oh, wow, like he's really sweet. But in the end, he turns it and stabs everyone in the back or in the heart. Mm-hmm. But uh, Josiah, who are you? Who am I? Well, honestly, uh, that's a good question. I don't really know oftentimes. Uh, I guess if anything, I'm conflicted. Uh, yeah, as a person, I grew up in the Philippines, um, but I'm also married to a Brit, but technically I'm an American, uh, even though I've only lived there a minority of my life. So I, I suppose I'm many things and probably many people. And so when you write a story, your characters should probably be as complex and complicated and confused as myself. Um, but we're going to be thinking about some multi-layered people. Yes. Yes, we are. And in summary, I'm Adam Preston Peril, uh, a layer of onions, and my confused friend here is Josiah Gray. And today we are discussing characterization. Yes, and characterization is just another massive topic uh, that we can't possibly discuss in just one episode. So we're just going to give you a little bit of an overview and highlight some interesting you know, ways to look at characterization. And one of those interesting ways is something called an archetype. Mmm, archetypes. Aren't those the things you put on pizza? Wait, uh, no, those are artichokes, are anchovies. Yes, uh, anchovies, artichokes, aren't they the same thing? I don't remember. But <laughs> that is our food reference for the week. Uh, so let's go back to archetypes. And these are common characterizations and ways that uh, characters are repeated often in stories. And there are probably dozens, if not hundreds, of really famous archetypes. But in the end, uh, most of our archetypes can kind of be divided into main t- two main categories, our heroes and our villains. So Adam, are you a hero or a villain? Um, uh, I'm a villain. Um, and villains love talking about themselves. So I'm going to start with the evil that is me. So villains first? Yeah, good. Let's talk about villains. Um, I'd love to talk about villains. Obviously, heroes are our most common archetype. But like you, Adam, I'm a really big sucker for a good villain. And there's actually a really old writing proverb that says, your hero is only as good as your villain. So yes, we could start with heroes. But really, where's the fun in that? So with our villains, once again, we can divide these into a lot of different archetypes. But there's basically eight main ones. Um, And there's that word, again, the archetypes thing. Um, But archetypes for villains, they range from kind of your morally gray anti-hero type. Think of Venom uh, from the Venom movie. um, To you have your classic, like, super smart mastermind type, like Moriarty and Sherlock. Or or you have kind of your evilest of the evil dark lords, you know, the blackest souls. Think of Voldemort and Sauron. But what's important 
is that your villain should be as complex as your hero. Many people spend just massive amounts of time planning their protagonists, but then they've reduced their villains to these kind of boring characters with really boring motiva- motives. Uh, and if you think about some of the movies you've watched, uh, where maybe there's the evil villain, but their end goal is maybe just to like destroy the world or to take a- it over. And at the end, you might just think, but why? Is it just because they just want to rule the world or destroy the world? And we, you have to consider why your villain actually wants this. So let's go back to Thanos. We talked about him last week. And Thanos is obviously is an evil villain who wants to snap half of, the, uh, half of life out of existence. But he does have a reason for that. And you see that a bit when he's explaining what happened to his people back on Titan. Uh, there wasn't enough resources on the planet or the moon, I guess. And in the end, his, his people died out. So he does have some broken logic there, uh, but he has this own story that he's playing through in his head. He is the hero of his own story, and his motives make sense to him. And so in your writing, work to grow your villains as much as you grow your heroes, uh, because this will add a whole lot of depth to your story. And, and I think depth in stories is something that we all as writers strive to achieve, whether or not we are students or teachers or professional writers. And so I want to continue this depth into the, the two villain stories. Um, and I want to discuss how the villain and the hero complement each other for a great and really robust story. So orphans, outcasts, saviors, and conquerors, these are villains and heroes alike. It just depends on what side you're on and how sympathetic you are. Thanos thought he was a savior, and then he was confronted by a team of saviors who thought he was a conqueror. It's all a matter of perspective. As was once said by a dude named Gerald, and I'm sure he has a last name, but it slipped my mind, one man's terrorist is another man's freedom fighter, and vice versa. This works because of the nature of the characters in conflict. There's balance and perspective, and this, dear listeners, is often intentional. Think about Megamind and Metro Man. In school, they complemented each other and their opposing characteristics, and they were highlighted on purpose. It balanced the conflict. But do we notice their similarities in characters, values, and motivation? Think about Megan, Megamind's frail traits that are highlighted and Metro Man's super strength. Metro Man's airheaded approach is contrasting and reflection of Mega Man's analytical brilliance. Now let's look at M. Night Shyamalan series with Unbreakable, Split, and Glass. We have control and stability in the Sentinel, you know, Bruce Willis, and a lack of control in the Beast. There's the invincibility of Bruce Willis's character and then the feeble nature of Mr. Glass, Samuel L. Jackson. And these imposing characteristics highlight the opposition. So Mr. Glass's frailness makes... Bruce Willis looks super strong, just like Mr. Willis being super strong makes Samuel Jackson look weak. And this is what we're striving for, for that depth in our story. So think about the interaction of the characters and how they define these that are, are defined by their characteristics, not just who they are into themselves, but who they are to others, especially those they're in conflict with. Yes. Uh, potato, tomato, potato, tomato. <laughs> Sorry, that's my that's my favorite quote from Megamind. I love that movie. It's such a great 
comparison. And then I love what you're talking about with comparing super you know, heroes to their villains, not just their superheroes, but just heroes in general. And you actually, you mentioned a couple uh, archetypes there as well, Sentinels and Beasts. And obviously we could go more into that. But what I love that you're talking about there is actually this idea of kind of foil. And foils might maybe not a term that most people know of, but think about diamonds. Um, if you have a diamond, obviously they cut diamonds so that they'll be multifaceted. But a lot of times when they're trying to show off a diamond, they, they put something by it that kind of reflects the beauty um, of the diamond. Uh, you could maybe think of like actual aluminum foil if you wanted, but this is supposed to reflect and it's supposed to show how intense or amazing or, in, or maybe terrible and horrible it is. So when you're comparing people like, you know, Mr. Glass and, and Bruce Willis and Unbreakable, I don't actually remember his name. Um, those, they contrast each so much that we actually understand more of their character, of how evil one is and how great one the other one is. Anyway, we could talk about this all day, couldn't we? Yes, we could. <laughs> yep. But anyway, let's get to homework. Um, so for my homework, I want you to think of your favorite villain. And I know that might be a tough question for a lot of people. It's a tough question for me. And so maybe if you can't decide who that favorite villain is, uh, maybe what is the top movie or top book? Uh, for me, my all-time favorite book is Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, probably. Um, you know, I debate it, depending. But it, it normally is. Um, but in that book, the villain is as important as the hero. So so much so that they actually both share the title. Our, our hero is Dr. Jekyll, our villain is Mr. Hyde, and they're conflicting right there in your cover. Um, but our villain in this case, Mr. Hyde, is also really complex. And he's got some strong motivations. He wants to take over Dr. Jekyll and his life because they literally share the same body. And so this motivation is actually really understandable because it's a fight for survival. It's really personal. It's not, you know, Thanos snapping out the universe. It's not huge stakes, but it works on that really personal level. So going back to last week, just kind of review stakes. But for my homework, I want you to think about a villain and decide how relatable and believable his or her motivations are. Do their motives actually make them more interesting or do they just kind of make them really boring? And I want students to research archetypes in general and see where they fit in, see which archetype they, they fit into because I feel like when students start learning the terminology for archetypes and they watch films or they read books or they hear stories, they say, ah, oh, this is where this character is fitting into. And although analysis isn't the funnest thing to do, uh, once you sort of learn terminology and you learn how to think about an art form or just even any structure, uh, you start to think about it in a different way that you can build it yourself. Um, if you don't know what an eave is or an arch, or if you don't know any term for architecture, the moment you start learning these things, you start conceptualizing the, a building or a structure or a room completely differently. And I want them to do the same thing with archetypes and writing stories, just to see how they relate to archetypes and to think about common archetype backstories and see how they relate to them. I want them to understand the characters we write, just like we understand ourselves. And I want us to think about what makes us tick and who we are. Mm, yes. Back to that question, who are we? And frankly, if I was thinking of myself, you know, if I was a villain, what villain would I be? What archetype? And 
Uh, it's a good question. I probably I always imagined myself to kind of be that puppet master archetype. You know, the person kind of behind the curtain, pulling the strings, making people dance, but never getting my hands dirty. At least that's what I imagined myself. Actually, maybe that's why I became a teacher. Make all my students dance and do what I want. No, that's terrible. Okay, but anyway, great job, everyone. Find your inner villain this week. My inner villain is a silverback gorilla that's super smart and smashes things. <laughs> Really? All right. <laughs> if anybody knows which villain that is, extra credit. <laughs> all right. Thanks, everyone, for listening to this episode of Write, Read, and Write. That's all for today. See you next time. Mm-hmm.